Joe, look what I got. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. What well, about two? That'll do it. <laughs> oh, sorry for the audio, but I had to get the ones with sound. Anyway. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Andor. The show no Star Wars fan wanted. And it turned out to be the show we didn't deserve. Ryan and I review the full series. Spoilers ahead. You've been warned. Zooming into our medium shot now. Tell me, Ryan, what was your anticipation level going in for Andor? Uh, none. I planned on not watching this show whatsoever. Because it's not because I didn't care about Rogue One. I just didn't really find most of those characters interesting, especially Cassian. I thought he had, I remember in Rogue One, he had a really cool opening at the beginning where he just completely executes a, a fellow rebel at the beginning, if anybody remembers that. But it wasn't, and then they were like, oh, we're going to do a whole show around this character. I was like, seriously? Okay, uh, sure. And then, you know, I, I honestly, I waited till recently this week to watch all of them. I just kept putting it off. I was doing other things. I was playing God of War. So I wasn't, again, I wasn't too hyped about it. And then I kept seeing on the internet how people are saying it's the greatest uh, Star Wars thing to come out since the originals. And I watched it, and I kind of agree. So, yeah. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars film to come out this last decade. Although Cassian wasn't even my favorite character in that movie. He was a supporting cast member in a Star Wars spin-off. And now he's got one of the best Star Wars projects of all time. I, I don't even know how that works. But how would this guy carry his own show? I thought at the time when I first heard it, I didn't know or especially care. But I'm a franchise completionist, so I felt I had to give it a try no matter what. And maybe that's bad of me. I don't know. It's why I get sucked into so much garbage just because I'm brand loyal. <laughs> And then I have to come onto this show and whine about it most of the time. And Ryan's like, you're such a cynical bastard, you. <laughs> but uh, not this time. Meanwhile, I'm the cynical bat. I'm going to be the cynical bastard this time. It's yeah. interesting. We never agree. It's a, it's a running gag, but it's true. I think it's good. Okay, here we go. I, it's good. All right. <laughs> and now on to our close-up. It's good, you say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's good. It took me a while to really get into it, especially after that second episode where it was literally only 30 minutes and it didn't feel like anything happened whatsoever. And I was just... Those first two were the hardest to get through. I, I nearly... Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't going to not watch the show. Like I said, I'm a completionist, but it did not put its best foot forward. It, it helped that they released all three, mm -hmm. the first three together. So by the time it all pays off in the third and... The third was one of my favorite hours of Star Wars of all time, and I thought the payoff was worth it. But those first two getting there were a little rocky. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it's, it's just really interesting when you have a show that isn't really that well advertised, and I kind of blame Disney and Disney Plus for it. Because when you try to... When you have something that's been so critically acclaimed by almost every single fan on the planet, and you're trying to find it on Disney Plus, you have to go through like 12 pages or something at the very top and scroll through at least one page near the bottom. Even on the Star Wars main page, 
So it just doesn't really make that much sense. So it's not that well advertised. It's like they're so trying to tank it. That's why. Th- yeah, it's like understand. it's weirdly they're. Maybe the Disney execs haven't even watched it. Who's ever <laughs> run the site? No, I know but they haven't watched it because it's, you know why I know they haven't watched it. Why? Because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't try to shove any studio notes oh, down our throats. God. Try to force cameos in or or um, whatever or their political agendas or whatever people they think audiences will like in a Star Wars thing, which we obviously don't. Hence why you get constant criticism over and over and over because you keep trying to push the same stuff and it's not working. Clearly, they just let good creatives do what they will with Andor and kind of left them alone, which, Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) Just do that. Yeah, well, more of that. It's funny because it's probably one of the best Star Wars things to come out because the director who or and the writer who uh, Tony Gilroy. name is escaping me. Yeah, but he also did Rogue One. So he's just passionate about this era of Star Wars and uh, this certain character as well. So you and you can feel the passion through the screen as you're watching it. So by the third, third episode, I was like, OK, that's a good episode. And by the fourth and fifth one, I was like, OK, I'm I now need to accept what the show is. And what this story is trying to tell, because uh, it's not a like it, you can't go into this expecting it to be like the movies or the other television shows where it's super whimsical and it's all about the magic and the force and stuff. It's, it's a slow literally paced, about it's a slow paced yeah. political thriller about fascism and people rising up to combat it. It's about people. Mm-hmm changing who they are to cope with a very dark time in the galaxy it's about complex belief systems there's no jedi or sith there's barely any action in it it's it's star wars for adults it's basically just it's a for all intents and purposes it's a standalone sci-fi show which if you've never seen a star wars thing in your life you can watch this and it's a good show about how fascism by its very nature, encourages rebellion to slip through the cracks. Which is yeah, you know, it's kind just... of skipping ahead to the ending there, but that's one of the best speeches in Nemec's monologue is how he's talking oh, sure. about the tighter they grip on the galaxy, the more it'll slip through the fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those shows uh, where you really have to pay attention and really listen because just the dialogue is so smart. There was times where I I couldn't understand the like the political babble that was going on, especially with the Mon Mothma stuff. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's there's stuff going on behind the scenes that uh that you don't need to show. And it I kind of compare it to Game of Thrones a little bit, where it's a lot of world building in a pretty well established universe, but it's establishing these characters that live in this world who. None of them are Jedi. None of them are going to become Jedi. They're just regular people trying to live in this fascist galaxy and deal with the repercussions of that. And I thought it was really well done. It's one of those kind of things where I just completely lost my train of thought. But uh, yeah, it's about the regular people, which is very important because Star Wars in general tends to focus on the larger than life characters, Darth Vader, your Luke Skywalkers, your Obi-Wan Kenobi's, guys like that. 
but this is about the little guys. You have, you know, Cassian Andor, who's just a regular, a regular old mercenary. Guys like uh, Vel and Sinta, who are just a couple rebellion devotees who are willing to do what's necessary to get the Empire off their backs. You have guys like Luthen, who we literally have no idea where he comes from, but he's just a dude mm-hmm. who... What's up with his stick? This. Some people think that's it's a one lightsaber. Thing that kinda, Some people think it's That's the one thing that bothered me in... I don't know if it was like an acting choice or directing choice, but he's got a stick in the second episode that he's walking around with. But it's not like... I don't know. I just, that just confused me. It just felt like it was pointless. But then they make it a point in a later episode to kind of examine the piece as well. So I assume it might get answered in season two as well. But uh, I was just like, yeah. what's up with that stick? What is the point yeah. of it? it? Well, you're asking good questions. Maybe they'll answer it. But yeah, it, it's about the little guy, which is important. Even uh, Not even necessarily the, the littlest of guys, but even people on the level of Mon Mothma, we get to see what the political struggle behind the Empire looks like. She has to put on this two-faced front of being a bleeding-heart senator who opposes the Empire's fascism, and they're like, oh, look at Mon Mothma donating to her social causes and stuff. Meanwhile, she's donating to armed rebellion (laughs) against the Emperor, Mm -hmm. but okay. And then we even have people like Bix, who are just junk traders, giving the rebellion scrap she finds whenever she can get it. We have guys like Cyril Karn, who are just security corps officers who clean up the Empire's mess when they don't want to send the stormtroopers or anybody actually legitimate. So it's just the day-to-day mm-hmm. cops, even, we see. The guys who bang on the bell tower. <laughs> the guys who... He was great. Uh, he got me through the second episode, that bell guy. Cause when he he's... Sparta kicked that guy off the tower at the end was amazing. I clapped. Beautiful. Hilarious. He's the definition of the guy who is, you know what, he might have a shit job, but I'm going to have the most fun out of it as possible. That's the best. He did a great job. And I have to say, because we'll get into more of this, but the Karn's security outfit uh, before the uh, Imperials come in, like Ferrix's security outfits. Oh my god, those costume designs are brilliant. I love that. If I was if I was able to buy like a, a Star Wars outfit for cosplay that wasn't about the Jedi or a stormtrooper, it'd be one of those. I thought they looked amazing. Just the orange and the blue like clashing together. All the production design elements on this show are incredible. The costumes, the the sets in particular blew me away. I heard they built mm-hmm. the entire town of Ferrix brick by brick up. And it makes such a difference when you look at shows like the Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or Kenobi, they look like literal garbage <laughs> next to a show like Andor. It's just insane. I was watching like a side-by-side comparison where, because I didn't think Kenobi looked that bad, but there's one shot where she who must not be named. <laughs> I'm kidding. Reva is staying in front of a bunch of troopers to attack Kenobi outside of a gate. And I was like, oh my God, you can tell they're literally standing in nothing. Compared to this, it was insane because I didn't at the time I thought it looked fine. Like I couldn't tell they were in the volume, but compared to Andor, holy shit! This is actual the sets filmmaking. Are amazing. Yeah, and so it makes it's it like feel... they hired the guys. They 
It looks like they hired the guys who did like the Disney parks, but paid them like tens of millions of dollars to build these sets. I hope this becomes a Disney park. Oh, wait, kids wouldn't watch this. Oh. Never mind. No, it's for the adults. You go to the end or you go to the Ferrick <laughs> section for adults. The kids can go somewhere else. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the work that went into this show astounds me, really. I think the physical sets go a long way to making it feel like Star Wars again. And I'll give the sequels credit for this. They did do a lot more like that. And like Rogue One did as well. It's really just a problem for their TV shows. But going back to the original trilogy, those sets made it feel like a dirty, abused world, which is kind of part of the charm of Star Wars. And that's what a lot of people complained about the prequels getting away from. It was more green screeny. It was more bright and shiny it felt more artificial which mm. i'm gonna defend that and say that it was a better time for the galaxy things were a little less dirty and grimy at that point so mm. whatever but this feels like original star wars for it yeah, feels for like sure. it actually had a budget you know and people also actually with those, the tried. green screen and the also with the green screen and blue screen i think I, ilm was kind of really into or george lucas himself was really into the digital stuff yeah for sure so he for was sure. just able to be like yeah let's make this as well this sounds bad like as cheap as possible but also try to make it like good look good as possible as well well he was all about pushing it, the some boundaries. of those especially in especially in revenge of the sith some of those set pieces are pretty good for sure they were groundbreaking at the time and you can complain about them for what they are but don't deny that they didn't change the film industry Complain about Jar Jar Binks mm -hmm. all you want, but he was around before Andy Serkis went in his golem and, you know, did the motion capture thing. And let's talk about Andy yeah, Serkis and, for a sec. Smooth transition. And Jar Jar Binks didn't, Jar Jar Binks didn't talk as much in the later sequels to the prequels. Anyway. But yeah, Andy Serkis. Holy crap. Yes! Mm. They finally, I'm just so happy he's just allowed to act as a human. Because he's so just been spending the last... He's been the, spent the last 20 years as a character actor where he's practiced and learned every muscle in his face. So he just knows how to put on a fantastic performance. Talk about his end at the, in a second. But I just thought, man, because I, I was struggling between a few, a few episodes before him. Not, not, not too hard. And then he showed up. I was like, fuck, he just brings a whole new life to it. He's got a fantastic voice as the manager, and his little character arc in those three episodes are beautiful. I just—it's yeah. amazing. The prisons, the prison uh, uh, arc in this show, I think, is probably the best one, which is weird to say. Yeah, because uh, some of the stuff outside of it's not—well, not compelling, but not as compelling. I don't know. I have—I don't have issues with the show. I just have small critiques. I, I which, still love it. Yeah. I still think get, it's a great show. Nothing is perfect. But uh and we'll get to the criticism just, in a second. His... But it broke my heart when we got when everyone's getting the end. One way out, one way mm -hmm. out. And then Andor's calling for him. Come on, I can't swim. What? Yeah. And I think he would have probably tried to say, like, oh well, I'll carry you whatever, but he gets knocked into the water. And then we just don't know what happens to him. Beautiful. I hope to see more of him later on. But I was listening to another podcast and they said it perfectly where the creators are just showing you what Andor sees. So we don't really True. know what happened to the other prisoners. 
And that kind of, that just, this is quote unquote realistic where instead of in a show like Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett where someone can get shot five times and still get up, if someone gets shot here, they're dead. They're just straight up dead. That torture was very insidious in the the prison. They, They don't even tie them down. They don't lock the doors or anything. It's just lights go red, get off. That's it. Yeah. And it's just like another thing with, in terms of you just don't know what happened sometimes you like you meet a person and you get along for a while and then you go your separate ways and you just never know what happens to them that's just life and you're like yeah. you hope andy circus is okay but chances are he's probably not so i would love to see him in season two but also would really respect the creators if they just never brought him back fun fact that that character he escaped with Melshi is actually a character yeah. minor character in rogue one he, if mm-hmm. you didn't know that, the guy he escaped with there from the prison is actually uh, in the Battle of Scarif at the end of Row 1. He's in a couple shots. So uh, now we know a little bit about that guy, Melshi. Which is very yeah, subtle, very but interesting. but I love that. He's just a minor character who I don't even know if he had a speaking line in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But they go a long way to fleshing that out. Now, I talked about cameo appearances before and how they didn't shoehorn them in. But not to say there weren't cameos at all, because there were a couple. Another one from Rogue One. There's him, and another one was Saw Gerrera, which But that made sense. These these cameos make yeah, yeah. sense to me. I think Actually, I think Genevieve O'Reilly was Mon Mothma in Rogue One as well, wasn't she? For scene? I don't know if she was the one in Rogue One, but I know she was in a deleted scene in Phantom Menace, playing Mon Mothma. I yeah, think. I think, or I think that's in, in a sequel. In Revenge of the Sith, yeah. I think that's why I remember her in Rogue One was because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's her from the deleted scene. So I think she was in Rogue One as well. And let me check. Real yeah, quick. So she's so she's kind of a cameo as well. So we got her and Malshi and uh, Forrest Whitaker as, as Saw Gerrera. And but these cameos all make sense. They're very integral to the story. They're not just, oh, blink and you'll miss it. Oh, just for the fans. And everybody else is left in the dark. Like, it's kind of beating a dead horse, but The Mandalorian Season 2 did a lot of that. I didn't mind it as much as a lot of people, but there is a pretty stark difference in how these cameos are treated within the story itself. They're used more to actually further the narrative and don't feel as much like, oh, remember them and their story? And let's just get points for that. And that's basically all there is to it. Mm-hmm. It is the same actor, by the way. You were right. I didn't know if it was the same one or not because I recognized her by, I guess, maybe because the hairstyle was a little different in Rogue One. I really thought Jimmy Smith was going to show up. I hope he's in season I, two. And that I would be it. So, because I love him. That would be a natural extension because Mon Mothma doesn't really have any political allies. So mm-hmm. I think naturally it makes sense that in season two, she tries to find other political allies in the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Bail Organa is kind of... Her daughter's such a little shit. <laughs> and <laughs> I know it's, like, part of the story. So is her husband. I don't... That's true. But I don't understand... Oh, I guess maybe it's because just, like, oh, she's a teenager. But, like, she just hates her mom. Maybe she knows because... Well, on some level, she knows she doesn't care for the, the Empire. And she's... Because she's very outspoken in the Senate, and maybe the daughter doesn't like having that spotlight on them. So that's why she keeps going back to their 
uh, old ways where they're from and is being betrothed to scumbag yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> the dad is pretty pro-empire, too. So I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure her daughter gets a lot of influence from that as well. It's a very What's the weird. Dad do? Is he just is he just stays home and drinks? Probably he's kind of a trophy what to, husband. What does he have to complain about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a gambling problem apparently. Apparently, we find out in episode twelve, or whenever it was. But I kind of like how we found that out because she's just. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if she's telling the truth. She kind of just throws that out. And we're like, oh, she's throwing her husband under the bus. Awesome. She probably is. Well, I mean, the way he reacted uh, to it. Mm. He reacted to it basically. Like, oh, I haven't done that in so long. Yeah. Tell me who it was. Tell me who it was. I'll tell you they're a liar. Like, he's not really denying it. He's just saying, uh... Anyway, it's such a small moment. There's so many other moments we need to talk about. One of my favorite Mon Mothma moments that... I think it was episode three or four. One of the moments that sold me so much on the show was that one where she has her friend and they're walking through the party and her friend's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I don't think you'd have the stomach for the politics I'm in new. And she's like, just keep smiling. And they're walking yeah, yeah. through the party. That was a beautiful scene. That, that just, As that a, sequence is so really good, intense yeah. and riveting and great dialogue there. And that's one of the moments that sold me on this show. I'm like, oh, they really care about the intricate politics and everything and just the, you know, it's, it's serious, it's, it's tense, it's, just, it's great. It's so well written mm-hmm. and shot. Just the craft in a minor dialogue themselves. scene. Like, yeah. Just the care they show to even minor dialogue scenes like that is just exactly. made me fall in love with the show. And the, uh, that actor is uh, Peter Townsend in the first uh, couple seasons of The Crown. Oh yeah, remembers. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a, funny enough there's a lot of uh, there's a few Game of Thrones actors in uh, in this show, which is really funny. When you when you <laughs> you know when you have the best actors in the world when they're on Star Wars, they're in Marvel, or they're in Game of Thrones, or sometimes two out of the three, or three out of the three. It's really funny. Or Harry Potter. A lot of them are in Harry Potter as well. Yeah, a few of them. Oh, and that kid on the heist, he plays like, if you've ever seen the imitation game, he plays the younger Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, really? This is a weird skill I have. I don't know why. I just recognize an actor, and I'm like, hmm, what were they? I've seen them before. And my brother's called me out on it before. He's like, how the fuck do you know this? Like, (laughs) I'm bad at that. I've just seen movies, man. I do recognize them a lot of times, but I I never place Mm. where they're from. Yeah, the other actor who had the uh, the tattoos on the heist, who like put a knife to Andor's throat. I recognize him. I just couldn't figure out where he was from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he was really good too. I love how so Andor. Should we, should we go? Yeah, go ahead. I, I love how Andor kills him in cold blood too. At the end, it's oh, one of his. It's one of I his like... turning points. Oh, you can come with me, steal the money, and let's just go. Bang. And he... Yeah. Brilliant, because I was like, I would do the same thing. That was his turning point. What's gonna happen? Because what's gonna happen when they take off, right? And they're gonna have like an alone time. He's just gonna shoot Andor yeah. at one point. Actually, in terms of writing, that's a brilliant point because I think that happens at the end of episode six, exactly halfway through the show. Yeah, that's his turn when he finally decides to stop being a self-centered mm-hmm. prick. And I love how when he goes back to Ferrex and talks to Marva, he doesn't even. He doesn't tell her about Aldani, and, and you know, then she dies, and he's 
upset because he thinks he thinks oh, that right. she yeah, yeah, yeah. he thinks that she thinks that he was an asshole who was just selfish his whole life and he was upset mm. that she never knew and uh yeah that broke my heart he's kind of a mama's yeah. boy which i didn't expect but it humanized him pretty well yeah it was really it was really interesting to to see all that and God, I'm not. I'm still not the biggest Cassian fan. I don't think this first season really turned him around for me. But it was moments like that where, especially at the opening scene where he executed that guard in cold blood uh, on the streets. And when he exec- yeah. yeah, and he executed that beginning. other guy. Great. Beginning. I was like, yeah, these are great choices. I'm still not on board with him some of the time. I just didn't buy. God, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because just the other actors were so well written. I just expected Cassian to just have like a little bit more. Not to say he's not well written, but I just think he's so. It's funny because he's probably just, the least well written character beginning in his arc. own show. It's his, it's his beginning arc of becoming like that hero type character where right now he's just a survivor, right? So he he steals, he he um borrows money from people, or he runs away. So you're seeing that, and then at the tail end, he, you see him become sort of this uh, low-level hero, especially to yeah. um, Vix. Is Bix. it Vix or Bix? Bix. It's Bix. Yeah. Okay, because through her act, the Diego Luna's accent, it was like, "Is it Vix?" <laughs> I don't know, but I I kept forgetting at the end of each episode, he's an executive producer for this whole show, which I oh, think yes. is really cool. Which I find funny because his character's not the best written character in this show. But may- that's a, like a whole nother thing. Well, that's one of those complaints that is, it's, a, it's very hard for me to separate that. Because it's like, the worst written character in the show is Cassian Andor. But the writing for him the is still so... It. But, the, but the writing for him is still so far above what you get for most shows, it's hard to call that a criticism. Oh, for it's sure. Like, you're the worst written character on a great written show. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. It just sucks that he's the lead. But I think Cassian's a really interesting character for a couple reasons. Which, so you meet him and, okay, so you sympathize with him. He's a mama's boy. He's looking for his sister. He's got a good relationship with his ex. So, you know, he's probably somewhat kind-hearted in a, in a way. He's got a soft side. Oh, he's good to droids. People are dicks to droids in this universe. So he's got some good sides. But he's also a womanizer. Mm-hmm. He he borrows money. He doesn't intend to pay back for a really long time. He's he's a criminal. He murders people in cold blood. And that's why I got on the side of Cyril Karn pretty early on this show. Because I see this guy who works for the Empire who's really law and order, black and white morality. And I'm like, yeah, Cassian does deserve to be brought to justice, really, in terms of the law. He did break the law, and I know he's the lead, and he joins the rebels, and he becomes a good guy. But at this point in the show, at the beginning, he does kind of deserve to be brought in for what he did, for killing those guards. Mm-hmm. Not, that I, not that I blame him, because the guards were corrupt, too. It's a very complex situation. But Cyril Karn also was right. And... Yeah. Should we go by, should we just go through like our favorite characters real quick? Sure. Or just, I'll, should we go I'll, through our favorite moments or favorite characters? I'm going to first, uh, no, you go, you say, yeah, what I'll you start, gonna say? I'll start with Cyril because I'm already on him. And I know a mm-hmm. lot of people 
you included, you told me, weren't huge on Cyril just because he did nothing for most of the season. But I also think that's one reason I do I do like him. Because the show, I think Cyril Karn is the most relatable character in the Star Wars franchise. So picture this, you, you have an overbearing mother who you spent a lot of t- your childhood ready to get away from. You finally get off to the big time doing the job you always wanted to do. And then you screw up so badly, you flame out, have to go live back at mom's place, join the family business, sit around in her house all day eating cereal. He's, he's, oh yeah. Yeah, there's other foods. There's other foods, man. Like, he's like always going for like the Cocoa Puffs. And I know it's like an acting thing too, because you don't want to eat as much on the show, but, uh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He puts so little like cereal in the bowl. And the blue it's re- I don't know, it's just really funny to me. But, because, uh, like, in real life, I eat cereal all the time. I fill it all the way to the top. Yeah. I don't know if you do this, if anybody no. else does it, but he puts, like, so little in it. I find it really funny. Yeah. I, it is true. <laughs> I tend to fill it halfway myself. But the reason I liked him <laughs> being at his mom's place all season... Well, first of all, those scenes weren't even boring. The conversations with his mother were really eye-opening looks into his character and kind of getting to see him at his lowest point, which was really cool. But it also made his ending all the more powerful, because we see the very first arc of the series, he's a sniveling little brat, and he totally loses his nerve in the Battle of Ferrix, gets a lot of his men killed, screws up so horribly, he gets fired. And then in the last episode, he's got... Laser focus, rushes into the thick of the action, saves Dedramiro fearlessly. He's come a long way just with his devotion. And that whole middle bit is kind of, it's interesting enough that you still care about him, but you're building up that anticipation. You're supposed to feel as annoyed as he is watching him sit around eating cereal, talking to his mother. And you <laughs> like the whole season, you're like, I want to see this guy do something. So when he finally does, it hits all the sweeter. Which I I can transition that a little bit in just the show in general. A lot Mm -hmm. of people complain about the show's slow pacing. Me included a little bit. It is a very slow paced show. But it's not meaninglessly slow paced. Every episode, even if it feels like nothing's happening, is setting up characters or worlds or... yeah or plot developments that'll be important later. It, it's all building to something. And yeah, you can go, you can skip right to episode three, the, where Cyril finally finds Cassian and they have that big explosive blowout. Or episode six, the one mm-hmm. where they finally go on the heist. Or episode nine, the breakout, ep- or like 10, the breakout episode. Or episode 12, where the rebellion finally starts. But those don't hit near as hard without all those other episodes to make us really give a damn about this world and its characters. Because this is maybe one of the first times in Star Wars where I've ever watched once the action finally goes down, and I actually cared about everybody. And I was worried that they might die. Because you spent all these hours building them up. I haven't had that kind of emotional investment in Star Wars in a couple decades nearly <laughs> since revenge of the sith probably just built yeah. it up i no, since Ahsoka. sorry i just ahsoka's the last one i think yeah or i was like sorry i just I freaked out to die. 
I just freaked out on screen because I found out who uh, who uh, Avril Skeen was the guy who uh who was on who got shot by Cassian in episode six. Uh, yeah, he's in Punisher. I didn't realize because he's got the big oh. beard. He's the uh the big beard and the long hair. He's that guy. He looks so different. Wow. Yeah. He's much taller than I thought he was <laughs> compared to John Bernthal and next to uh, Diego Luna in this. Wow. Wow. He's so good. He's really good. But yeah, I, I agree with uh, exactly what you said because this so could have easily been six episodes, man. You could, it could have just been like another mediocre show, but this, these writers take their time with the characters, especially with uh, the heist arc. And yeah. for me, I, what I really loved about that arc is because you got to know these characters, but they weren't boring. Like, you, yeah. understood, you understood their backgrounds, you understood all, they all had different philosophies on everything, and one of, my fa- one of the tropes that I hate in movies and television shows all the time is, like, the liar reveal trope. Like, casting gets found out, oh, he's not part of the cause, he's there to be paid, but yeah. he brings it out on himself, and he's like, and it's not one of those things where then they separate and then they come back near the end, like a final thing. He's like, no, I'm telling you, I'm getting paid for this. I You're just on the way to the heist. And yeah, and I, I don't want to be looking over my shoulder because he gets found out he has a kyber crystal, which is a pretty yeah. huge kyber crystal in his, uh, on his necklace as like a down payment. I just thought it was really, it's really good character. It's just a good show set in the Star Wars universe. And I think my favorite character is Dedra Miro. I think she's the best villain that I've seen in a long time. I think she's so well written. Agreed. She's yep. able to outsmart people in her own uh in the ISB, especially that one guy uh the other supervisor, I don't have his name right here, but he he he's looking over Ferrix. Ferrix? Is that what Ferex. it is? Yeah. Ferrix, yeah. He's looking over Ferrix. She wants to look at a, an item that Cassian stole that's on there, but he keeps blocking her off because that's her jurisdiction, or that's what he's supervising. And, but she's, she's constantly being told no, where she could obviously help the Empire. And she's just trying to do her job really well. And I love that the main supervisor, uh, Major Pra- Oh, God. Paradigas, <laughs> the major, main supervisor, the guy from Game of Thrones. He sees it as well, where he's not just like shooing her off because she's out of line. He's like, hmm, Jesus, this is actually it. good intelligence. Prove it now. And I loved how, yeah, I loved how uh, when she provides evidence is like, Ferex will now be handed over to Supervisor Miro as it's obviously become a distraction for you, Supervisor. <laughs> I was like, yes, he's too obsessed with putting down Miro. And I think it's great. And I love how he has like a little bit of uh, he's got a little bit of clout as well near the end because the driver is for uh, Mon Mothma is spying uh, for him. Oh, I so didn't I catch that. That was really cool. Yeah, that's who the supervisor was. Oh, no, uh, you're no. to near the end. Yeah, now I remember. OK, yeah, they were talking mm-hmm. to each other. One thing I like about Dejamiro is how the show sets her up in the first few episodes as an underdog. You want to root for this lady to break into the ranks of ISB and show her worth by uncovering this vast conspiracy of rebellion. And you see her tenacity. She's a little overambitious and a little 
yeah, but you root for her anyway. But then she gets to the top pretty quick, and then she goes full on fascist, and you're like, ooh, ooh, she's oh, she's e- a horrible person. She's evil. <laughs> How did I root she's for this? She's a horrible woman? person, but she's so much fun to watch. It's uh, I don't know what it is. I think because just the actress is so talented, and that torture scene. I love again. It's just great yeah, the direction torture scene. again where. You don't hear what she hears, and it's just shown through the actress's face of, yeah. like, what is the horror? And that doctor, he's like, oh, my God. He's not playing it like being creepy or whatever. Mm. He's just like, you know, we actually found some uh, some sounds. It was, like, quite fascinating. Like, he's just passionate about yeah. what he found, and he's just, but he's not, like, being crazy about it. And that, to me, is way it's crazier <laughs> and creepy. It's just more crazy. What was but the like, story? It was oh, the, man. the dying, Adria, the sounds of the oh, dying children yeah. ringing out. Dying Makes children, yeah. insane. But the actress for Bix, uh, Adria Arjana, I wasn't that into her for the first few episodes, but once she got into like that torture uh, room and just the last few episodes, I was like, holy shit. Lost she her freaking so mind. good. Yeah. Lost her mind. And, uh... Oh, that's funny. Here on Google, the Mon Mothma picture is the original actress, but it says her name at the <laughs> bottom. I guess they didn't... Oh, that's Oopsie. funny. see. But a, another, I think, my favorite character in this whole... Oh, I, got, I never said anyth- what I thought about Karn. I had such high hopes for him. <laughs> like, I loved Karn because he was a guy who just believed in the system and wanted to have the Empire work. And that's so fresh to see in the Star Wars universe where... Because especially in the games, you see people who work in the Empire, and then they see the Empire's wrongdoings, and then they defect to the Rebels, which is so overplayed now. True. But Karn just completely believes in the system, and I loved it. And I understand, I accept, I understand, I actually kind of like the storyline he went through, especially now he has, like, a weird crush on Miro. <laughs> like, uh... I got I, thoughts on like, that. Like, they have, like, a, they have a weird love story now, where... It's kind of interesting because you don't see that in the em- in Empire in a lot of media where you see maybe a budding romance happening. But I love it feels those a little two forced. No, I love those two together so much. I want I want this fascist power couple so much. <laughs> <laughs> Gimme in season two. They were going to team up yeah. and uh, go after Andor together. They're probably going to be a tag team villain in uh, season two. And I'm all for that. I want to see more of them. I li- yeah, I've... I wasn't too bored with him. I was just like a little disappointed and wish he was on the team more of finding Cassian. But now he's, he definitely will be. It was all to tell an overall character arc, which I appreciated. But Miro, Detra Miro, I just, I loved her. I don't know why. She's Ruthless. A, she's a great character. She's a terrible person, but I just, I loved Look, to I'm gonna, watch her on screen. Just so people don't attack me, I'm going to go back and... Uh oh. Defend myself for something else. Going back to Kenobi, I talked a lot of crap about Reva. This is what I wanted to see from Reva. Is a character yes. like Dedramiro. Don't crap. You know, people may have said, oh, you know, he's being hard on her because she's a woman or whatever. And they, oh, he doesn't think a woman can be a compelling villain. No. That was a badly written villain. This is a good one. It's crazy, man. It's Dedra Miro is one like, of my favorite Star Wars villains of all time. She's fantastic. She might be second for me. Well, no, maybe it's just recency bias, but for me, it's like <laughs> Vader and now Miro. I don't know why. 
even though there's so many great ones later on. I'm a fan but of Thrawn. I think my I'm favorite. A, I'm a Thrawn fan myself. Thrawn is oh, up yeah, there Thrawn. for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. good from the little I've seen him. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's, I think he's a very good villain. Uh, before I get to my favorite, I just want to shout out the, uh, the heist arc. And those yeah. characters are really good. Vel, yeah, I think, is really... She's not... She's like a... She's the leader of the group, but she gets questioned all the time. But she doesn't put up with it. She's like, this is what's happening. Deal with it. And I love that. It's, <laughs> it, you just see... She gives no fucks. And I love how her relationship with Cinta Kaz is... It's secretive, and she wants it's, it's yeah. subtle. That's I love that it's subtle, and Vel obviously wants it to be like a little bit more of a budding romance. But Cinta is very into the cause right now, and she's very into the rebel. Well, it's yeah. not the alliance anymore. What she rebellion? What she tell Vel something about? Yeah, we agreed only we when there's time. Yeah. When there's time, you know, well, the cause yeah. first, and us. Whenever there's any other time. That made me to that made me sympathize with Vel a little bit because she just wants to be happy, but they're in a world where they can't really sit down and oh, be happy right now. Yeah. Oh, that scene where uh Cinta threw it in her face that she's um that she's a spoiled rich girl who's who can leave the cause anytime she wants. She's like, That's not fair. Well <laughs> kind of is. She did. And she I went, wanted to see see her go back to Coruscant. She did, and yeah, hang she out did with, go back. Yeah, she goes <laughs> to hang out with Mon Mothma on Coruscant and her designer clothes and I was kinda like, is she related to Mothma? No, that would be too easy. And then you see her talk to Mothma and I went, I fucking knew it. <laughs> like right away I was like, I fucking knew it. I don't think it's not lazy, but I thought that was a cool connection. Oh yeah, uh, I just wonder... they're sisters, yeah. That means Vel's cousins. dead in the future. They're, Everybody, they're cousins. No, they're, they're sisters, aren't they? Oh, they were cousins. They're sisters. Cousins. Hold on, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Okay. It well, she calls well, the daughter calls Vel aunt. Vel. Oh. And Mon. Mafma. But that that's also like a nickname. Uh, relationship. Oh, they are cousins. Well, what the fuck, daughter? See, now I hate the daughter more. <laughs> See, I thought they were cousins too, but she called her. Uh, ah, ah, yeah. Ah. Okay, now, I'm, <laughs> I'm so going to jump back. I'm going to jump back a little bit because I also want to give this show. I want to make. I just want to give extra props to the show for how it writes its female characters, because once again, yes. I know we we talked a lot of crap about bad female writing, so I, I have to take extra time to call this show out mm -hmm. for being really good because we don't do that very often. So. The, the women on this show are written excellently, I think, because they're actually treated as individual characters with their own motivations. Mon Mothma isn't just going to pick up a blaster and start shooting up guys. That's, that's, just, that's not who she is. Other shows probably would have written her that way just because of how they try to present women as being just as capable in all scenarios as guys are. But guys aren't like that either. I couldn't just pick up a blaster and start shooting. That's not who I am. I'd probably be more like Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma is not like Dedra Miro, who's not like Bix or uh, who else was uh, Vel. There's, there's a mm -hmm. lot of variety of characters in this show. Oh, Marva is another one. The, uh, the mother figure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, everyone's it's well good to see that. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> it's good to see that actress in a positive parent role. Because when you go from Harry Potter to here, it's so <laughs> different. 
She's like a terrible aunt in Harry Potter, but a lovely stepmom. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about and her the... speech in the her speech in oh the final Lord. episode. Did you hear that? Did you hear that the final line the was fight the empire? It was called. She said fuck the empire on stage, but then they redubbed it because they yeah. thought I thought it would have been cool, but I think fight the empire is a more impactful. Uh, yeah, speech or impactful line. But I can I, see yeah. what they were going uh, for with it, but I I know it would have. And I read the reason they took it out was because people would have harped on the use of the line because swearing, swearing's Star not common Wars. in Star Wars. And I agree, it would have taken away from the moment because I would have thought the same. I mean, they thing. say shit a lot in this show. They say shit a few times. Yeah, I just would have noticed. I just would have noticed it and been taken out of the moment. And I don't want to be taken out of that moment because that moment's one of the most I've ever been roused in. Maybe anything. Yeah. Just when when the rebellion's building up, she's giving the speech. I'm like, I want to punch something. <laughs> I want to. I want to kick and a I guy off her, a tower. Like her, the guy, the uh, the like the construction worker guy, Brasso. Yeah. He uses her like funeral stone to like whack a dude in the face. There is so, so in a much way, metaphor. She's fighting as well. There is so much <laughs> metaphor in that. That stone was, I think, the. The remains of her cremated ashes all put together yep. in a stone. So literally, he cracked everything. He cracked everything she had <laughs> over that guy's head. Mm-hmm. All of her went into fighting the Empire in the end. It's so metaphorically beautiful, yeah. and it made me just emotional because it was so. Yeah. Just to go so... back to, uh, just to go back to strong, uh, like a subtle, very strong female written character moment was. Even though Kaz, uh, Val's girlfriend, didn't, doesn't get a lot of screen time, she has one that's really, really smart. She gets found out by the spy that she's spying on oh, yeah. uh, she... near the end of episode 12, <laughs> and Assassin. right away she stabs him in the heart. I was like, yes! There's no, like, because whenever that usually happens, you see people just go, like, oh, uh, I'm not, like, try to back themselves in the corner, but she's like, oh, I'm found out. I'm just going to kill you right here. I was like... Thank God. No, Andor is good because its characters behave like real people. You're found out, you stab a guy. The, you, yeah. you screw up, you die. You have consequences. When uh, Bix's boyfriend, mm-hmm. Tim, screwed up in episode one, he died. When anyone screwed up on the Aldani yeah, heist, <laughs> they died. You, to be fair, just, he died. He, that guy's an idiot. He was warned three times to stay where he was, and he charges at people with rifles. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, but I know you're upset. (laughs) But that's why I think it's good writing, because not all their characters behaved stupidly. That guy was an idiot. Yeah. Not all the characters were idiots, so that tells me he was written well. Everybody's... I got really nervous. I got really nervous in episode two when she, like, took off her coat. I was like, we're not about to watch a sex scene in Star Wars, are we? But they cut forward ahead, so you just assumed. So you're like, oh, okay. That's the closest to a sex scene we've ever had. I love how the boyfriend was just kind of like, I got a rat on Andor, but let me have sex with my girlfriend first. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Just like, let me do this first. (laughs) Uh, uh, Might as well. I thought he did pretty. Apparently he's been in Star Wars before as well as a. Really? As an X-Wing pilot for the sequel series. Very minor role. But the characters aren't, the characters aren't attached in any way, but they could be distant relatives. Like Kino Uh, and Snoke. I thought that was pretty cool. And the yeah. circus has nothing to do what with Snoke. What if Snoke becomes Snoke? 
I saw theories oh, like that man. when I was watching Week my to Week. My favorite episodes. My favorite episodes are definitely the heist and uh, the prison break. Those have to be the best. Just my the, favorite when the heist epi- happens and the visual effects of the meteor shower going ahead. Oh, that's it could beautiful. have been so basic. It could have been so basic. Just add some orange and meter. It's like they all built different it up. colors of the green and like blue flashes of blue and orange. That's why you feel that the locals have this sort of religious element to it. They built they it up for two episodes. To it, every... it needed to pay off. So beautiful. And it kind of reminded me in a positive way. It reminded me of Solo a little bit when they're doing the Kessel run where he's yeah. flying into the meteor shower and there's all the colors flying by. I I don't think I saw one visual effects problem throughout this whole show. Oh, me neither. I There's another thing. I always whine about visual effects. This show it completely immersed me. I don't I don't complain about special one... effects this time. And it made tie fire scary. Oh when, yeah. Like, they're... Yeah. When they just hear it off in the distance and it goes over them and it's you can see it's so deafening loud. I read that one was a rule of three. You know what? This show's the show's great. I've four... changed my mind. <laughs> I've changed my mind. The show's awesome. great. Awesome. Episode four. <laughs> episode four, they just heard it off in the distance. Episode five. Yeah. It went by them. Episode six went by the firing. It, it mm-hmm. built up in that arc. Just the TIE fighter. You, first you hear it. Then you see it. Then... Sorry, more like... I can't do yeah, a really. sound effect. And what I love about both episodes is there are consequences where in yeah. the heist one the guy doesn't cover him long enough so the stormtrooper or the ex-stormtrooper character gets killed right away and the lieutenant gets blasted off there's no like oh i got shot in the arm and i'm hurt <laughs> no they're just dead and especially in the prison break where and they said it a line earlier i'd rather die fighting than die doing what they want me to do yeah and i bet you in any other mediocre show the main characters that we'd follow throughout the arc would have been fine. But you see, like, the characters at um, Cassian's table, most of them die. They yeah. just get shot, and then they're, in- they're instantly dead. And I love that. There are consequences in this world, and I love that. It needs to be... Writers need to not be afraid to kill off their characters. Yeah, because it makes stakes. And like I said before, not just kill off characters, but have characters' stupid decisions have consequences too. Don't just mm-hmm. let plot armor save people. Like, I also it's love what Kenobi even, needed. Yeah. I also love even when people don't screw up, bad things can still happen to them. Like in episode seven, when Cassian finally got out of all, he, he got away with killing those security guards. He got away from the Empire. He did the Aldani heist. Everything was fine. And then he just watches some guys run away and get sentenced to prison just for being there. I love that. He did deserve punishment for something, like I said. But the fact that he got busted and sent to jail from a yeah, kangaroo court. Yeah, he got busted court, for something completely different. Nothing. He at didn't first, do anything. I was, I, because it's, cause it's more explained later on where he just gets thrown in jail for basically doing nothing. But it's just set up later on because, oh, these people just need workers to build uh, the their Star. stuff for them. Spoilers, Joe. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, and you find out in a post credit scene at the very end what those things would be using for. And I don't know why it didn't click into my brain where it was like, it's probably the Death Star. But then you see it being almost built. So you're not that far off from Rogue One, ladies and gentlemen. And I've heard season two is going to start a year after we left off here. It's not going to pick up right away. 
I heard season two is going to take place over the next four years and end just yes. before Rogue One. So it's probably going to so be... So it's only going to be two seasons? Yeah, so I guess That's the next so season... disappointing. So I think the next season is 12 episodes, and I'm going to assume that because there's four years between now and Rogue One, mm-hmm. it's going to be three episode arcs for every year up to Rogue One. And the last one, I think I heard them say, is going to end on the mission he was on when Rogue One started. That's a great tie-in. So I, to me, if I was ever going to say to someone who didn't mind doing a little bit of homework, honestly, I think the way I'd get someone who's never seen Star Wars into Star Wars, I'd say, look, if you don't mind watching a 12-episode TV show, watch Andor, because it sets up what the Empire's like mm-hmm. from the little guys, and then you go into Rogue One and see the consequences of that, and then Rogue One ties immediately into A New Hope. So you get to see the Jedi and the Sith lore and see what's really going on now. And then that balloons in the Empire where the rebels are getting their asses kicked. And then that balloons into Return of the Jedi where everything comes to a head and the Empire is crushed. So it's kind of like a, like a greater than symbol for our audio listeners. It starts off really small at the beginning of Andor season one, episode one. And kind of just, if you, if you watch Andor Rogue One in the original trilogy, it just balloons to the empire's destruction i kind of agree that's a lot of homework though (laughs) if you wanted to somebody if you wanted to yeah i I always say start with the original trilogy first but i'd also say start with rogue one if you didn't want to watch andor i think rogue one's a good starting point too because it's it feels a lot like a new hope but it's also modern effects and modern pacing and yeah for sure i think rogue one without a doubt has the best visual effects out of all uh, yeah, the movies. That whole last that third, third act. act. Oh, really? it's so good. It saved the movie. But yeah, before we're well, not wrapping up, but before we wrap up, I gotta say my favorite character has to be Luthen, Stalin Skarsgård. Yeah. Man, well, he's we haven't so talked brilliant. about him once. So good. He's the way he is like a little spy in his own shop, and you gotta talk about the Easter egg shop. My God, there's the <laughs> armor for Star Killer. There's like the headdresses Padme wears. Uh, oh, wow. there's other things that I don't remember. There's a Jedi temple guard helmet. There's a bubble shield from an episode from like, a Jar Jar Binks, the, the Naboo people and Phantom Menace. Oh, wow. There's a lot of little trinkets. It's, it's great. And I love how he puts on like a different character when he's on Coruscant and then he goes behind the scenes and he's back into Luthen. And again, he's not afraid to sacrifice 30 people for everybody else for the cause. And there's something I really loved about Andor where they talk about this rebel team that they're willing to sacrifice throughout the whole show. Oh, and you yeah. You never yeah. see them. You never see it. You just see the behind the scenes the whole time. And Luthen even goes up to Saw uh, and he's like, It's not that I don't. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to sacrifice you. You just matter more to the cause than this other dude right now yeah but i'm willing for this other guy to die this other guy's been busted by the empire already they know he's coming so if they you haven't and they his spy said they have a plan in place so if this krieger guy backs out they'll know somebody on the insides compromised them it's more worth 30 guys dying than their spy on the inside of isb getting compromised which one of the best scenes in the entire show is when Oh, I also love the reveal of Lonnie being the spy because I did recognize him. He was in like every scene, the ISB scenes. 
when uh oh he, he was in the background oh. of like every scene the guy with the mustache luthan spire yes yeah, yeah 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 he was there the entire time and they even showed camera angles of his face when he was there so mm-hmm. i think going back and watching this show you're Brilliant. like oh okay so this is what he was doing the whole time and that's maybe i don't want to say it's the best scene in the show because there's so many great scenes but when he's telling luthan yeah, I want out. I got a family to take care of now. And he's and Luthen says, no, you you don't get out. No, bad boy. I need you. <laughs> yeah. There's no out and of it, this. Uh, just another, one of the only action scenes in the show is when he's uh, escaping the tractor beam. It's, it's just ah, yes. like another brilliant. And he's got the lasers on the side of his ship where, yeah, it's just almost, someone said it best in a podcast, but uh, it's like the Millennium Falcon in Empire Sh- Strikes Back, but if it worked. <laughs> if it, true, if it worked. True. This is how you're supposed to get uh, away from them. But yeah, I just think his ship is really cool. Uh, fuck, man. This is a good show. It's just a well-written show. It's not anything like huge spectacle if you're expecting to go into this as a Star Wars fan. It's grounded. It's just a well-written and directed show for... Uh, and set set in the Star Wars universe, and my again, one of my favorite characters is Kino Loy, Andy Serkis. He has his own arc where he just wants to finish his, he just wants to finish his service days, his his shifts, and then get out of there. But then they realize that once you get out, they just send you to a completely different prison, and you work on the same thing. And as soon as he has yeah. that realization, he's full on in with Cassian and it's a great moment in the end of the episode when the uh, old man dies and Cassian says how many guards are there on each level and he just right away goes no more than 12 I was and that's how it ends I was like fuck yes let's go that got me hyped up because he doesn't want any trouble it was even more sad in retrospect though that the entire time they're chanting one way out the reason he was kind of hesitant the whole time is because he knew he couldn't swim he knew the moment he got into this, he was never getting out of that prison. But that's what made it all the more powerful. Was That's kind of this, what this show is about. It's all these people with their own motivations realizing that for the Empire to be defeated, they have to put their own selfish desires aside and work as part of a team to accomplish a greater good. They have to make, whether it's guys like Krieger getting sacrificed for the cause and they don't even realize it, or people like Kino Loy, or Marva, or Bix with the torture, or Mon Mothma having to sacrifice her own daughter to a, to a scoundrel just for some extra money for the rebellion. Everybody in this show has to make sacrifices for the cause, even if it ruins their lives. And that's really what the main idea of it is. And I think why that's so powerful to me is because Andor is uncomfortably real at times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I don't know if you had this, but there were so many scenes where from Mon Mothma's political meeting, she's talking to her friends and she has conversations that I heard on the news a lot, specifically around Donald Trump's presidency in the US. I heard a lot of these conversations about the failings of democracy, still hearing them. It's still getting worse. Or at the yep. end, when, when Marva's whole speech about fight the Empire and these guards are firing on the unarmed crowd 
who are just protesting they're and, and they're just they're getting shot up just for being in their own city and you know not that I'm justifying riots or anything but just, it, it all feels like I've seen this on the news in real life all happen in modern day my society and it's just it's a little too real it's, but it's not heavy handed about it either it's still trying to just be a sci-fi story it's not saying you need to think this way about the modern world and where we're at. It just tells its story, but draws its parallels just enough that I understand what it's going for. It's about our society's failing democracy and growing unrest and how our government seem to be slowly trying to power grab and get more greedy and the rich are taking over and, and lobbying the government and the average people are losing more control all the time, it seems like. And people are just generally angry, and we don't even, even know what we're angry about a lot of times. But just in general, everybody I know has this tension that may burst someday. I don't even know what we're tense about, but everyone's just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world's just at a very delicate point, and Andor is the right show at the right time to address these problems, but with the same story Star Wars has ever told. It made the classic rebellion against tyrannical people willing to crush our freedoms. It's, it's made that story relevant again, 50 years on from the original. And that's why I told you I was going to get into this before the show started. But oh, here we go. Yeah, that's why I don't think Star Wars fans deserve Andor. The Star Wars fan base are a bunch of whiny babies, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are never freaking pleased with anything. Even as far back as Return of the Jedi. Oh, the Ewoks are too childish. The prequels, oh, there's too much CGI. The writing's not as good as the originals, whatever. The sequels, oh, it ruined everything. Oh, Rogue One, oh, that's pretty good, but the first two acts suck. Only the third one's worth watching. Oh, the Clone Wars? Oh, that's okay. Rebels? Oh, that sucks. Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett? It's all shit. Yeah, just every... Star Wars is shit. The only thing Star Wars fans can agree on in the last 50 years of the franchise are that A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back are good movies. And I've even heard some criticisms Mm -hmm. of A New Hope. Oh, it's too slow-paced. It's not even that good. And these are people who I know who have watched Star Wars their whole life. And I'm like, do you even like Star Wars? <laughs> you criticize literally everything coming out. The people I know, people on the internet. I'm like, what do people actually like about Star Wars? I don't know. Because nobody seems to like anything. And even a show like Andor, which is objectively the best written Star Wars since 1980, People still have problems with it. Oh, it's a little too slow burn. Oh, there's there's not enough action. Oh, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. That one really pisses me off. I hear so many people <laughs> say, doesn't feel like Star Wars. What the fuck feels like Star Wars if this doesn't? <laughs> no, really, that's a real question. <laughs> this is the most Star know, Wars feeling thing we've ever gotten. Outside of George Lucas's original six, I don't know what you people want. 
I don't know what I want. I've been on the toxic side of the fan base too. You've heard me talk about stuff. I, I try not to be toxic about it, but I, I can be. I've been on all sides of these discussions, defending it and ripping it apart. And I, I've disliked a lot about it too, but I, I try to look for the good in a franchise I love. But I don't know what it is about Star Wars fans in particular that just can't seem to find anything to love. You look at a franchise like Star Trek, there's been a lot of crap in there too. Or other franchises like Doctor Who, or I don't know what else is popular, Game of Thrones, we've been talking Mm -hmm. about a lot lately. Any popular franchise, there's a lot of bad in it, obviously, but people tend to agree. Star Trek fans think, yeah, you know, Star Trek Discovery is pretty bad. Uh, the later Next Generation movies, pretty bad. The odd-numbered ones, pretty bad. Doctor Who, the Chris Chibnall era, Jodie Whittaker, not that great, <laughs> really. How's, uh, Game of Thrones, the last few seasons, not not so good. Last season in particular, pretty much ruined everything. Trash. People can, ag- <laughs> people can agree on that. These fan bases, Maybe they have their toxic sides, but they can all agree more or less what's good about their franchise and what the bad stuff is. Star Wars fans, you get wildly different opinions with literally every entry. So I don't know what people see in this franchise or what they like about it. Just don't go into Andor saying it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Just don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Never watch Star Wars again if that's how you're going to be. I don't want you in this fandom. I don't want to be a part of this fandom, actually. No, forget it. Stay in the fandom. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to talk about Star Wars. I don't want oh, to man. I don't want to interact with Star Wars fans. I'll rant about it on this podcast, but in real life, I have no inclination to talk about Star Wars because it always turns into a shit show, and I'm sick of it. All right, I think I've said my piece. Breathe, Joe. Breathe. <gasps> But I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because when someone, especially they've been the loudest since Last Jedi, which me and Joe both agree, it's a good movie. All right. No, 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 no. Everybody, shit. shut up. No, it's no, not, no, 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 it's no, not, no, 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 no. Don't. I think it's a good movie. No, no, no. Nobody I think say, it's a good movie. Don't get that on the internet that I think Last Jedi is a good movie. It's my least favorite in the I whole franchise. I thought you said it was good. No, no, my no, bad. no. no. That's my least favorite in the whole franchise. We'll talk about it. <laughs> mm, interesting. Alrighty. Man, I can, might have been confusing with somebody else. But it, it's as soon as something, uh, something happens where... I think it's just because they're so popular, and as soon as something happens where a certain, certain someone doesn't like what happens in the show, they immediately get on social media <laughs> and just yell about it, where... This has ruined Star Wars, it's ruined everything. It's just like an ego problem. Because people connect so much to the original trilogy and what happened there, where it was a perfect story arc with maybe a few minor things that weren't that great. But as soon as something, like, bad happens in, in later or whenever they're like, oh, since Disney's bought Star Wars, it's never been good, which is not true. There's been some really good stuff. I think Force Awakens is an excellent movie. There's problems in The Last Jedi, but I really like it. Uh, Rise of Skywalker was just a shit show, rushed production near the end, and J.J. Abrams had no choice but to direct this rushed piece of thing, and he did a decent job about it. Book of Boba Fett, I don't know what happened. That's trash to me. I don't know what happened there. Kenobi, there's parts I really loved and parts I didn't like, which is a lot of what shows are. 
But with Andor, it's just really well-grounded storytelling. And I think just because it's smart, people can't... There's not a lot of people who can take in, like, smart dialogue like that all the time. I'll be honest with you, first time watching Game of Thrones, there was a lot of times that I didn't... That I missed a lot of world-building because most of it's just dialogue. But when you go back to it and you've gone through the whole series you start to appreciate that dialogue. So I think it's just some people need to... This is, Take it with a grain of salt. Just be smarter. You know, just, like, appreciate the media that you're watching and look at it objectively. Don't look at it as, you know, just because it's completely different characters and there's no Jedi or no, there's no Lukes, there's no Hans. Uh, and it's just a it's just a good show. It's the it's just sadly the Star Wars haters or the Star Wars fans that are the that are toxic and hate on it a lot. They are the most loudest of any community ever, and that's just what's sad about it. I think you're right in saying that it's an ego problem. We all love Star Wars for our own reasons, and we all Star Wars more than any other franchise seems to. Its fans seem to bring in their own baggage with every single installment more than anything else. It's like a lot of us are incapable of just watching a new Star Wars thing objectively and taking it for what mm-hmm. it is. We all think it has to be a certain way or that's how it feels anyway. But Andor objectively is one of the best shows I've seen on TV this year in many years, really. It's just for really sure. well done in general and... I'm glad it exists, even though I didn't want it. So shows what the <laughs> fans know. If we go based on what the fans want, we wanted Kenobi. Honestly. Look how that turned out. We wanted Kenobi. We wanted Book of Boba Fett. Nobody wanted Andor. It's the best of the bunch. So. I didn't want Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I was one of those people who've never liked Boba Fett. Yeah. Which is like, what, 5% of the Star Wars community? Well, anyway, unless you have more to say, I'm ready to wrap up. He doesn't do anything. Sorry, I already said this in mm. Book of Boba Fett. He doesn't do anything in the original trilogy. Puts a tractor tracking device on the Millennium Falcon. That's all he does. He literally does nothing. All right, you good to go? I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, unless you want to spend the next hour talking about why Last Jedi is a good movie. No. Or is that a different one? No, that's a... <laughs> I really don't a like debate. that movie. There's bad parts in it. I'll I admit it. No, I no. Well, look, just just, just, because, just, an... just so I don't like I sound like a hypocrite. Last Jedi is my mm-hmm. least favorite thing in the whole franchise, and I still have parts I like a lot about it. Like I don't I don't write it off entirely, but it is my least favorite thing in the mm-hmm. franchise. You think it's worse than Solo and Attack of the Clones, though? Yes. That's wild to me. I think it does more damage to the franchise than both those movies i'll get into it another time it's not i'll go on for i think another the producers hour. did more damage i can go we on will for talk another... about it off yeah <laughs> we will talk about it off podcast but you guys won't hear it i am very anyway. much not a fan of the sequels in general but yeah that's true any they of them the mark they fly now they fly now <sighs> anyway you can find me at ryan walker official on uh where do you find me? On TikTok and on Instagram. The internet. Uh, Somewhere. Also, you can find me on just, you know, Ryan Walker official. I don't know how it works now on YouTube because you can do an at on YouTube now, but my name's just Ryan Walker on the YouTube channel as well. 
I might be doing streams soon, so that'll be a little fun to do. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, Joe. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe, where we share with you our latest leisure lists. Till next time. Take care. You think Last Jedi is worse than... <laughs> <laughs>